Hello, this is Rick Crisman, along with Mike Magnuson, welcoming you to a special edition of Acme. Mike and I are coming to you from an undisclosed location on the coast of Oregon, high on our fourth floor balcony overlooking the vast Pacific Ocean. We're at the tail end of a 10-day writing conference and are winding down with a conversation with two of our favorite writers and educators, Mary Helen Stefaniak and Claire Davis. Thank you, the listener, for joining us, and off we go. That's Mary Helen Stefaniak, <laughs> zipping up her parachute and getting ready to <laughs> jump out of the airplane with us. This is Acme. Oh, nice. This is more like a free fall. Get in. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, tell me about it. That's how we roll. We're on, we're on uh, day 5,000 of our undisclosed location. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. Wrapping things up. We have uh, with us today, uh, this is Rick Crisman, by the way, with Mike Magnuson, and Mary Helen Stefaniak, and today's edition is uh, Claire Davis. Both Mary Helen and Claire have been here, they're writers, they've been here teaching all week, uh, and I think we're, we're all pretty much done now, right? Yes, I think so, in many different respects. I'm <laughs> feeling like <laughs> I think done. we were done about three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fork is in us. I don't think anybody who's, who's not been through something like this really understands what it, the intensity of a uh, of a writing residency is. Yeah. I mean, from you know nine in the morning till ten at night or whatever. Nine night. the next morning. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you can yeah. get a little sleep in there at some point. But uh, and let's see, what are we drinking? We have a nice Willamette Valley Pinot Noir. We'll be pouring. Oh yeah, it's got that good Pinot Noir color. And that good Pinot Noir sound. I was going to say, it sounds like a good Pinot Noir. Mm, so, so good. How about some for you, Professor Magnuson? Or do you, is it in your glass there? Already? No, I'm good. I'm, I, that's good. Oh, that's all you want? Yes. I'm, I'm having a grain beverage. Oh, excellent. I'm sorry. It's all right. Do you uh, have a beer? Or is that what you're saying? Yeah. You don't want that wine? No, you want it? If you're not going to drink it. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> See? See what it says. Thank you. Mary Helen, you, you, were, you were born to this job, I've got to say. We all hang out together for I like nine, ten days, and then it's like this. <laughs> <laughs> Give me it. We're, we're the last thing anybody wants to do is talk about writing. Right. Well, I don't know. Right? I don't know. I still have enthusiasm, which is amazing. But Yeah. You know, we could talk. You know, I'm just thinking, for one thing we can circle back to is both Claire and Mary Helen and Milwaukee and I are from Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. we're all from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. That's right, from the Midwest. I've um, been to Milwaukee. You've been to Milwaukee. <laughs> I'm not sure if we all write differently, you know? So so Claire read, uh, she gave a public reading last night, you know? And I don't know, it's hard to put value judgments on these things, but I think like there was 20 some readings during the time. And I'm definitely thinking that that's gotta be the on the podium. Oh, if yeah. it's a race, you know? <laughs> like oh. it, it was so strong, you know. Well, thank you. But you know what I wanted to ask you about with that story last night and your writing in general is, is you seem to take um, if you're doing a metaphor or an image, mm-hmm. you seem to present it in multiples whenever you can. You know, you stretch it out so you don't just say a thing once; you say it a few times. Yeah, know? and 
you know, they, they present themselves to you, the metaphors do, and it's generally through image, of course. So, I don't know, when, you're, when you steep yourself in that image or that place, and um, they tend to come back like these little echoes, these little resonances that here and there present themselves again. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not a bell you want to ring too loud too often, but they're, they, with that soft little mm -hmm. touch here and there with them. So is that how you think, primarily in terms of uh, image? Would that be fair? Yeah, I'm very image-driven. Mm -hmm. Partly because, uh, for me, I've talked about it other times about deep imagining. For me, the writing, the best part of the writing is falling into that world and seeing that world and deeply imagining it. And, um, and it's image. It's playing out behind my eyes. I can see it. So images are the things that always come to the fore. comes out of my poetic training, too, poetry. In your painter, in the painting, yeah. You're a gardener too. Oh, I'm I'm much less a gardener than I am. <laughs> well, you always showed really great pictures of your uh, gardens. Yeah, and, my and my I only on Facebook too. Yeah, my only go with that garden. It's an English garden. It's just quite stunning. It was like 120 roses. Wow. Yeah. See. And my only goal is not to kill it because <laughs> I got it from a woman who was a master gardener who oh. owned the house before I did. Uh, so I. Wow. I've just been struggling not to kill the thing, you know. Yeah. But, well. so, so you gave the talk about landscape, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That seems like a thousand years ago, but I, I remember it, and you, and you were distinguishing between landscape and setting. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, when we're learning the craft, we, we talk about plot, character, setting, things like that. We, yeah. we parse it into pieces, and but it seems to me that, that the more you write and the more mature writer you become, the less they're separate pieces and the more integral everything is to everything else so it's it it has a larger scope and meaning so i tend to call it landscape rather than setting because it's it's the landform but it also incorporates um, the effects of landforms um, place culture personality psychology all sorts of weight attached to it so i guess i just want a larger more inclusive term than setting right uh, i've been hearing that this week people trying to get past the conventional terms. Like uh, Frank mm -hmm. Gaspar gave a brilliant class this morning about, he good? about structure. I mean, I've, I've, it, was, it was virtuoso. Mm -hmm. He went on for almost two hours. And, and uh, two very... <laughs> I can't believe it. I know. I've never, I've <laughs> never seen him do this before. It was just... Oh, Frank's uh, passionate about Oh, he's totally passionate. Mm -hmm. and, he, and, he, and he's like taking issue with the whole idea of plot. That a plot is something that we create. He says, no. You don't, you don't. You can't think your way into writing. You know, you can you can write characters, and characters will do things, and then the things they can do, then you can look at it and you can map it out as a trajectory, and it's like a, a vapor trail behind a, a plane. That's your plot. It's this abstract thing that you something you abstract so that you can talk about it or whatever, but the actual process is not. Like he says, let's go down to the plot store and get get me some plot elements. Well, you know, I was thinking about that this morning. I, I went to the talk on screenwriting, on adapting books, you know. Oh, and the way she described it was pretty much like if you don't have those three acts, and if you don't have that, you know, like change in character at the end of each act, then mm -hmm. it's not a movie then. Right. And I just I can't imagine thinking that way. I mean, I, I can see that. How can you possibly write a word if you're trying to think like that? Well, I would you ever it. tell a student that? Like, the only thing you, you can only, you have to check up just these boxes or it's not really going to be a novel anymore. No, no, no. No. I wouldn't do that either. 
But it's like, I, I mean, really, is Frank is sort of saying that you can't start with ideas for a plot and expect, you know, like Flannery O'Connor says, you're better off, uh, you know, starting with a character. Uh, because characters do things, right? Right. Yeah. Then looking as though you've thought up some idea and scrounged up some stick figures to act it out. You know, <laughs> right. you, have, you have an idea yeah. for a plot, and not that that always happens. I mean, I'm sure there, are, I'm sure there are writers who have a you know, uh, a sort of a plot, you know, an idea for what happens in the story and why. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't work it out in great detail. I mean, I think you can have some idea, or you can start without any idea, just with the character and let the plot come, um, or you know, let the shape of the story come. Okay. But um, um, I think screenwriting is a very different animal. Yeah, I think it's it not is writing. Too. Especially I mean, if, it's you're not doing, if you're doing it's an adaptation writing. in particular, because it's yeah. already, it's, you know. Especially it's, then, right. Right, it, it's like when you're teaching literature, and it's always cool, but you, you know, they come to a story and they're, and they're showing the foreshadowing, they're showing this and this and this, and it's all plotted out like, or all, you know, it's like a template laid upon the story. Mm -hmm. Ah, right. So everybody, you know, who doesn't actually write things, well, this is what we do before we write. We plan everything out, we outline, we graph this, we, you know, write journals about the character's personality, whatever, you know, and it's really not anything like that. Any, any kind of, I don't know, usually it's laid on after the work is done. Yeah, you, know? you see what you've got. And then some right. of the revision process, okay, I see a parallel structures going here, so maybe I need to make the others work with it in the same manner. Yeah. Well, it's like in your story, the, um, the, the story that you read last night, mm -hmm. you were, that's a story that you just started, you just yeah. began it like a week ago, did you say? Yeah, a week, a week ago. ago. I have yeah. no idea where that thing's going. Where what? I have oh, no where idea it's going. That's what I was getting right, at. Yeah. So getting it's good to, not to know, hey? That he, right. she doesn't know where it's going. You know, right. if you don't know where it's going, but you can still create this world. I always think of uh, um, setting as the world of the mm -hmm. story, right? The world of the story. Yeah. So it actually includes the char characters. It includes yeah. everything, but it yeah. also yeah. includes the table, if that yeah. needs right. to be included, right? But it's usually the character's version of the table. Well, that's You're true. looking at it through a character. Most often, who, yeah. Who may or may not even see the table. Well, I guess if they don't see it, they might trip over it. <laughs> Maybe your character's and blind. Actually, you know, <laughs> they trip over so it, look, break a leg. Yes, that's just the plot begins. You the found out that your, ca your character is blind. <laughs> Could you be. You can't find that out. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, you so can't then find us out. So then you have Unless to somebody pokes their eyes out, then you can find out. No, then you can go back <laughs> earlier and indicate that the character was blind. Well, but you didn't know they were blind until they tripped over the table because they see, didn't I've see it. See, I've never yeah. thought of things like that. Like where, like I know the character generally and the problem is finding something for the character to do. Oh, there you go. You know, that's a whole different animal entirely, yeah, yeah. you know. Because if yeah. you do it that way, then at least you don't have to go back and revision and cut out this opening of the story where they're gazing out at the ocean. <laughs> right. <laughs> like now we know one of them their beloved blind. walk by with someone else. Well, oh. that's not going to work. Oh. not going to work. I don't know. I was thinking I might roll with that right when I get home. My first short story after, yeah, yeah, right. after the undisclosed location. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just have to decide after both those things happen in your story. Yep. They've looked out at the, uh, out at the ocean and noticed their beloved walking by with someone else and then they turn around and trip over the table because they don't see it. And there's something so wonderful about the tripping over the table right. mm -hmm. that you think, I've got to keep that. Yeah, right. right. 
my character is blind. I didn't know it, just like you said. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But you have then you have to make the choice, which is more important to right. the story, the character being, or to the character, which has the most promise. You know, uh, well, the well, being blindness. blind. Well, blindness. Believe yes. me, if it's Acme Writing Academy, every time we'll go for the blind person <laughs> running <laughs> the under the <laughs> running over a table. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe they're just intensely clumsy. You know. Yeah, right. They could yeah. be clumsy. Then you could decide. Well, they're not blind after all. They're just clumsy. Because, mm -hmm. but in either case, what's happened? Or maybe, or maybe they were we, we were walking backwards in surprise after seeing one's lover yes, walking with another, and they fell backwards over the. Or table. perhaps their vision is blurred by tears because. Oh. They, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Have some more wine, right? Yeah, <laughs> I will. Yeah, man. He hasn't even had a hardly had a snort yet. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, sometimes, so I, I think that I do. A, plot it out, you know, I have an 8 by 12 foot whiteboard in my office and I draw it all out and then I put it into a smaller outline and then I write it out by hand. All this is to keep me from having to compose. Right, right. Of course, you know, because that's the painful part of the process. Yeah. But still, I, I have it mapped out to the T all the time, yet when I hear the way that you're supposed to write a screenplay, I, I, I feel intense revulsion. Oh. You know, I oh, just think yeah. that, why does it all have to do that? Oh, you just don't like the idea that they all have to be the same? Yeah, and you certainly, if you watch, you know, if you have kids and watch, you know, the superhero movies, which they all love, same. Yeah, oh, yeah. Every single time. And I, I, do they, is it because there's so much money involved that they can't afford to have it fail? Yes. Is that probably what it Absolutely. is? Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas in books, there's no money in it, so we can do whatever we want? <laughs> yes, that, that too. Yeah. Well, uh, the demands well, of film—they've got to—they've got to get so much information in this, in this period of time versus that, and it's got to mm -hmm. get this arc by this point in time. Yeah, you know, so that way you get the complete arc within the. And it, and it needs to be something that everybody agrees on. So, if it's the screenplay is this wormy, wiggly little thing, you know, that other people who are used to making movies and cinematographers, and, you know, are trained kind of within this mode of. Of being there, I don't know what to do with it. How do you direct something like that? Oh, we're serious. I need the directors are all looking for that Act Three thing. And Where's the end of Act Two? Yeah. yeah. Where's my inciting incident? But see, with, with if you're a writer, you don't need. That's the beauty of it. You don't need anybody. I don't need a cinematographer. I'm going to do the whole thing right yeah. here, from my brain to the page. And there's a kind of a. If you're not going to take advantage of that kind of freedom, then I think you're really, you know, missing a good time. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. But I mean, film is like, it's, it's a different, so it's a different art form. Yes. It's not a writer, the writer is only one part, or the writing of, is only one small part of the whole production. Yes. You know, and the cinematography, as you say, and a lot of other things are, right. mm -hmm. you don't need to write the landscape that creates the character. Instead, you have to have, you know, establishing shots and whatever else, you know, mm -hmm. that, that uh, create the landscape. And you can't Was tell. Is that okay? Even though I didn't have any wine. You can I mean. tell. You, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. We'll we'll tell a few jokes while the judges are marking their tablets. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was wild. Oh. So I'm intrigued, Meg, that you said you uh, you do outline and you do yeah. know the story before you get down to it. Right. I'm in fact really anal about it. And part of it is, like I say, to avoid uh, composition. The other part of it is, I think, 
and right in these kind of like frozen existential moments. So I, I don't think I ever develop momentum in my narratives because I got to do one freeze frame after another. Hmm. Like I'll look at something and then there's another little thing where mm -hmm. some kind of some kind of maybe just a change of perspective happens in it and then I'll go on to the next moment. Mm -hmm. So since I'm going to do that <clears throat> and I can't seem to stop doing it, that's why I'm worried about where the story's going because then I know I can string together these moments that don't really have the traditional flow, at least to my view, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, then at least I have some kind of structure to work toward. So you can kind of see where to put the moment on the, yeah. on the mm -hmm. architecture. Or at least, yeah, or if it takes me a hundred moments, I'll still get to this thing that I'm trying, you know, the next turn of event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's hard in the novel I'm writing because to a certain extent it's a, it's a cop genre book and there are, uh, you know, reveals in dialogue, which would happen when a, Somebody's kind of interrogating someone yeah. else, you know, and that you know that doesn't really fit that kind of mode that I write in, which is, you know, I mostly do get my mileage out of the narration between dialogue or something, you yeah. know, instead of what the dialogue's actually saying. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. When I studied with Harry Cruz, he said that the the dialogue should always come as a logical consequence of something you've established in descriptive narration. So, it, as some metaphorical or ironic connection. It may not be what they'd actually say, but it somehow grows out of the description. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't know. It's, it's hard to, for me anyways, to tell a linear story then, so I map it all out. I Down think, to everything, you know. I think sometimes it's, you know, it's not a question of what's right or wrong, but you know, for, for you, that is your mode of surprise and discovery. When you're mapping out things, Stuff occurs to you, right? Right. That yeah, that's occurred to you before. So that's we talked about this on another show. It's like this, this weird, funny little transition point between having nothing, and then there's something. Where in your process does that occur? See, for you, right. if I get up and I start to outline, I'm I'm like stupid. I can't think. I got to somehow trick my brain to get out of the way, and then I'm gonna write something funny or moving, hopefully, and I'll look at it and think, wow, that's where'd that come from. Well, I could, do it, I could do an outline, and I, and I pretty much guarantee that by the time I get done with the first or second pages, the, the page or the story is telling me something completely different. No. You know, there will be a word that will show up on the page that will ah. say, oh, man, that's got to happen, or this right. is what's going on. I mean, so I'm, I'm, I tend to write novels and stories more like I would write poetry. It's just one word on another word on a sentence on another sentence and they they lead the way well how did it come to pass with your the novels that you completed you, you're working a lot on you're still working on one still working on right, one forever right? yeah well, that, you know that, that's part of the part of the beast but when you when you write in a way where is it safe to call it improvisatory yeah right yeah, so then how true. do you know when when i don't want to call it a riff that seems that it seems to denigrate a little bit but when the but for lack of a better term, when the riff has come to a conclusion, when you're, when you no longer need to improvise where you're going, and you know. Um. I don't. Um, boy, it's hard to say. I mean, with the novel, I generally have a general sense of where I think it's going to go in very large terms, but mm -hmm. I don't know the specifics how it's going to get there. And that changes sometimes. Like the novel I've been working on, you know, I, that has changed utterly three or four times already. So, mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know if I ever really know until I hit the last page, frankly. And then mm. for me, it's always it's it's the surprise of where you find yourself on that last page. That's the pleasure of it. it's like you know like reading a book that's that you've never met before. So right, that requires such a great leap of faith. It does. The, the idea that you're actually going to find yourself somewhere on that last page. <laughs> or that the work's gonna, gonna, That's gonna yeah. make the whole journey been worth taking. Well, and the work takes you there. Yeah, I if guess, you, I if guess it does. If it's you like, immerse yourself and yeah. you really believe in it and mm -hmm. you're not trying to coerce it into places it doesn't want to go, it will take you where it needs to go. It may take time, mm. and, uh, but it is, a, it is a process of trust, trusting the mm -hmm. word. Bob Wrigley always told me the word is smarter than we are, and I've always been grateful for that because yeah. I don't want to like have to just rely on myself, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, when, when you the story that you read the other, did you tell us the title of it, or did it not have a title? I can't remember now. Uh, it's just got a working title, First Wife. Oh yeah, First yeah, Wife. First yeah, Wife. That's just the working title right, right now. That's what's on the. Because the point of view character, the main character, is the second wife. Right, the right. second wife, yeah, who right. finds a cache of canned goods that the first wife made and puts her and just puts on the label first wife. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 and to actually, have a friend who found a cache like that. Huh. She found she found a bunch of canned goods where the label said first wife. Wow. I heard that story and went, oh, that's. That's great. That's and you know what I what I like about that is it doesn't really matter whether it's a cache of things that say first wife on it. Mm -hmm. Everybody is on their second marriage. <laughs> you find evidence of the other person. Of the you other know? person. Like yeah. if you both yeah. and like yeah. it could be totally inadvertent and you have like this picture in a box or something. But it might appear to the other person that you're saving mementos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, which people get hurt by, you know. Not me, of course. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, but the reason I brought it up again is like, what you read to us was about how many pages, you think? Fourteen. Word. Fourteen pages. Right. Mm -hmm. And you think that's about halfway through, about halfway you said? Through. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you read us the, all fourteen pages that you now have. So, um, at the end of those fourteen pages, you, you don't really have a, do you have sort of a, do you know what's going to happen to the very next thing, like maybe? I'm, or not yet. I'm no. I'm beginning to get a sense of where the story might want to go, because I'm getting to know the characters better and better. So generally, it's like I, I don't try to go a whole lot further than the next scene. Yeah, you know, and there was there's a writing exercise you try to get your students to do, and it's very hard to get them to do it. I've found, and uh, that you you get to a point and you tell them you know, write to, just write, produce a certain number of pages, then, uh, or to the end of a scene, or whatever kind of stipulation you want to make. And then you say, okay, now someone else is, you're gonna, you know, exchange your stories, oh, yeah. and the next, per the person who gets your story has to say five different things that could be the very next thing that happens. Right. And it's very hard to get the, and then you, you get it back, and presumably you can pick one and mm -hmm. continue, mm -hmm. or they will inspire you to come up with yet another one. But uh, you, it's really hard to get students to do that because what they do is they tell you the next five things that will happen. You know, <laughs> you can't. You say no, 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 no. You're just the very next thing, not the five next versions. five things. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. five different possible very next things. It, it, it's very oh. hard to get them to do that. You know, because each one will lead 
somewhere somewhere else. Right, right. So and, and it, they have to follow. They can't be wild and crazy. They have to follow, or at least not completely wild and crazy. They have to follow from whatever you've read so far. You know. So that, right. And um, and that it's, it's presented. I don't know where. I actually, I don't know where I got that from. Somebody. Sorry, I can't give credit for it. But um, uh, the idea is that when you're stuck in a story, this is a useful thing to do. You know, because that way, if you have to come up with five different or ten or however many very next things, instead of trying to think ahead, because that's such a big, you know, yeah, uh, daunting yeah. thing yeah. to think, um, or just 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 think about one and then follow the trajectory. That if you just because it, it can be very small, you can say, you know, the phone rings. That's all you're left. That's the next thing that happens. Mm -hmm. you know? Or you can be more directive if you want to. I think too, like when you when you're talking to students who are starting off the novel and they're they're completely overwhelmed and they're casting about and terrified of the whole process and it's like you know maybe you just want to think about the next scene mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't don't worry about that happening I mean finding your way to the end of the novel yet because what comes next what, what comes next yeah yeah I wonder if, if you ever thought of maybe using that exercise and then writing those five different stories well, then it would be like a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Or at some point, you could get to the choose-your-own-adventure part, you know. Yeah. Uh, or you could write all five stories. Or you have a collection begin. of stories that have alternate ways of going. They're yeah, all, they begin all, the same. They way. all diverged mm -hmm. roads, diverging in the woods. Yeah. See, I need that exercise though. You need it. Oh man. Yeah, because like when, when I write the like the where the way Claire's describing it, where you just kind of okay. I'm gonna let, let this. I'm gonna let this grow, and I'm gonna follow the directions. I invariably get a couple thousand words into it, and like, oh man, oh, now what? This has been stupid. I don't know what I'm gonna do. It, you know, maybe it hasn't been, but I, I think this. Mm -hmm. And then I don't ever look at it again. Mm -hmm. I, got, I got files full of this junk. <laughs> you know, I have several yeah. novels like this too. You yeah. know, I had one for sure. I mean, it was like three quarters done, maybe, and it just was dumb. You know, you could tell. You could tell. Yep, it was a good premise, though. Yeah, but doop, it doop. strikes me as the way you write and the kinds of stories you write, that makes sense to me. The way you do it, it really does. Right, you need to know. Yeah, um, I mean, our, all our processes are so different. Right, um, it has to do with ways of thinking, even. You right, know, yeah, perception. serve right. the kind of stories we tell, mm -hmm. you know. But what? just just for our listeners' sake, that was because you people listening they're they're not seeing it. That was just Claire Davis who was speaking, and uh, so you can identify the voice. And uh, you probably know Mary Helen's voice already. Give us a little voice over there. A little voice over here. There you go. <laughs> <Okay>. Perfect. <laughs> That's Mary Helen. <laughs> so. And we all know Rick Chrisman. Oh, shut up. <clears throat> just once with them. Just just for oh. them. Okay. So presumably, if you put it together, right, and then together, if we want to do some more, if it's not done, mm -hmm. we can record from Hangouts too. You know, so you, Google Hangouts. Yeah, you all go into the Google room and then it records. And on, online, you know, mm -hmm. like doing a Skype call. There's a delay, so it's kind of it's kind of hard to do it. You know, it's hard to avoid talking over one another when you can't see each other in real time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But. We well, see. It. We, we've we've managed to. Probably that's why those episodes are so goofy, right? Because you realize it's so hard to stay focused on a topic. That, yeah, you can't do it. That. Uh, well, have you ever like 
couldn't you, everybody's in a different place? Yeah. Oh, because if just one person was, then you could just do yeah. Skype or FaceTime yeah, type thing. Yeah, but we've, we've had it. We've had our you man in Argentina. You can have multiple people on Skype at once. You can. You can. Yeah. 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 You can do that. Yeah. And then everybody can see everyone else. That's what oh, we do. Yeah. Oh, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Oh. We, do, we don't use Skype. We use uh, Google Hangouts. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the technology to, to evolve to where there isn't that stupid delay. Well, there's something like Zoom, too. I did that with Katie. Zoom? Yeah, yeah I've done Zoom. That's, that's a platform? Yeah. Because this is a Zoom right here, this recorder. Oh, well, I don't Zoom. know if it's related, but yeah, the Zoom app and oh. interviews with her. Yeah, I think yeah. it's like go to meeting, right? You know, yeah. where everybody is on. They, you can't see each other. There could still be a delay, I suppose. Yeah, but uh, they'll get better with it. Yeah. Yeah. But at least you can see everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can too. And the person who's speaking is is Fills big the on the screen. screen. Yeah, yeah, and everybody else is small. Yeah, that's how Zoom works. I love that. So we we got like a, a novel writing workshop, you know. And doing that on Hangouts is just terrific. You oh, yeah, we're, we're hit, yeah. hitting each other's pages. Yeah, oh. so then you can get together in a group and you can see each other and you can discuss it and instead of having to write down your kind of stayed notes and send them along, you know. Oh, I, I do it's that, been too. Helpful. <laughs> yeah, you do that, too. <laughs> I did learn something. I learned the key to writing workshops when you're doing a novel is get the more pages you turn in, the better off it's going to be. So if you, if you give them 20 pages, then they got lots of stuff they can pick at you. You give them 100, you wear them out. <laughs> <laughs> and by page 60, it's just, oh, yeah, I love yeah, that last really page. really good. Yeah, just, okay. yeah. Well, in some ways, that's, not, that's, that's procedurally, that's a good idea. Because if it's an early draft, I mean, if you're going to revise it anyway, you might not want them picking on you know, too many small things. Yeah, I always think too many... Eyes on an early novel is dangerous. Yeah, that's true. everybody yeah. wants it to, to go their way, or yeah. they've got a better idea yeah. for it. So, I don't. I'm not sure people should look at novels unless they're two thirds or all the way done. Right. It's that's hard to workshop yeah. novel excerpts in a, like a regular university format workshop too. You know, unless you have the first pages of the book right from yeah. the start. Yeah. Then you're good. Otherwise, it's it's really difficult. We have that I teach memoir writing all the time, and that's a big problem, you know? Mm -hmm. And part of it is the person who's written in the memoir has lived the life and they know all of it. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it's tough to make assumptions when the real person is sitting right there, you know? Yeah. Hard. You're right about that, Mike. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, when we're lost, we, always, we can always go to Borghe's 16 tips on writing. Yeah. <laughs> Borges? Yeah, yeah, no, he's, got a, he's got a... Oh. Wait, isn't this your handout? Yeah, and they're all oh, this bullshit. Is, this yeah. is your, oh, I know. Every his, one of them is bullshit. His, his whole thing is, in literature, one must avoid. Okay, what, 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 I, never mind, you know, I want you to read it. Just read it. <laughs> or one of them, just the oh, first well, one. Well, I haven't even one. read these yet, but I can't see which is the good one. What must... Number 12, avoid. avoid writing books that resemble menus... Albums, itineraries, or concerts. <laughs> How uh, would one write a book that <laughs> I think that's the point. Uh, number two, avoid grossly dissimilar or contradictory twosomes. Like, for example, Don Quixote and Joe Ponza, yeah. Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Right. So yeah, avoid I that. I think he must be kidding. I think yeah, he must he's be. he's kidding all the yeah. time. Yeah. I like Bor our, our other Academy member, Marcello Vasquez, who's from Argentina, is all about Borges, you know. 
he admires him because Borges doesn't fall into the descriptive uh, patterns of American fiction with the, right. the dialogue tags and the world building and everything that we teach people how to do. Mm -hmm. He sees that in fiction and just thinks it's a, it's a, they're prop, props put a, given to us by the petty bourgeois to seem uh. like we're covering all these bases where you should be able to tell a story without this obvious orienting material. Would that be correct? Yeah. They're like exposition, you can't, you can't stand it, you know. And yet, you know, <laughs> I think right. Borges could. He's just lazy. He doesn't want to. Do, right. He doesn't want to describe the room. But a Borges right. story is. I mean, Borges didn't write novels. He wrote short stories. Right. right. Yeah. And they're, uh, and they're all, all often kind of unconventional mm -hmm. short stories, you know. Mm -hmm. And I always mm -hmm. thought of Borges being a writer who's trying to appeal to your head, not mm -hmm. your heart. I mean, many Borges stories they don't really evoke a lot of emotional uh, mm -hmm. response from the reader. Although there's one exception. There's a story called Emma Zunz, Z-U-N-Z. That is a story. It's a, Bo it's a very unusual Borges story, extremely powerful. Uh, um, and it, the last, because uh, Emma Zunz, well, maybe I shouldn't do the spoiler. But the last sentence <laughs> is something like, uh, uh, you know, true was Emma Zunz. She turned somebody in and uh, um, manages to get some, she sets up uh, somebody for, uh, to be caught and you know, tried and so forth. And this is someone who has always had a lot of power uh -huh. uh, that she worked for, right? And, uh, um, and he is responsible for all sorts of terrible things that he will never be brought to justice for, right? Or he'll never have to pay, he won't, the, the cost. And so at the end, the story ends on a line, something like, true was Emma Zuntz, um, passion or true was her uh, never mind I can't do it but never mind take that out you want to look up <laughs> yeah, get Amazon we're gonna look up Amazon right. yeah we can so I found it in Spanish and now I translated it with Google Translate <laughs> okay uh -oh. that's sort of a Borgesian uh -oh. thing to do don't you yeah think? you it would it really love is. that you would love I know. it yeah <laughs> let's see what the last sentence what reads it it's like the story, the story was incredible, in fact, but it was imposed on everyone because it was substantially true. True was the tone of Emma Zuntz, true modesty, true hatred. True was also the outrage he had suffered. Only the circumstances, the time, and one or two proper names were false. Yeah, that's roughly, that, not the wow. that's roughly how it went. The true mm -hmm. was her rage, right. and, but... Uh, Good job, Google no, Translate. It wasn't too yeah, bad, man. there was some... Yeah. Stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, we've exhausted that, right? I don't have to keep looking. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, don't check your Facebook. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's I Facebook. Uh, right. Reading another article about our president. A little more. Sure. Oh, at those three minutes, probably on TV, getting yeah, his, yes. whatever his oh, new ultimatum. Oh, let's not even do that. Oh. It's been the, the highlight of the residency. Is taking a break? You're going to take a little break? Oh, uh, yeah. Keep going. This was taking a break. Oh, okay. We're going to take a short break here to thank the Pacific University MFA in Writing program for allowing us to eavesdrop on 10 days of craft talks and readings, and giving us access to their fine faculty and luxurious accommodations. 
Acme is in no way affiliated with Pacific University, but we are fans. Pacific offers a two-year accredited low residency program based in Forest Grove in Seaside, Oregon, and featuring some of the finest writers and educators working today. We're happy to know these folks and thrilled that they're letting us hang around. So let's get back to it. going if we're going to keep going let's we're going to keep going let's keep going okay. let's well that's i mean there's more uh more board haze let's see what else is in my magic bag of it's been so much this week see this is how you write a screenplay i saw that i got that you know, yeah. just fill in the blanks I'm, I'm, I'm showing this this graph and this map with Acts and sections of acts and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. it's really just fill in fill in those blank spaces and there's your screenplay. Well, all right, and if you don't want to do that, then make an art film. I mean, that's exactly. the thing. Yeah. Have you ever seen Frank? No. The film Frank. That's no. that, that's amazing. That movie. is the art film to see. Yeah. It's, it's a, about a, a musician who wears a, a fake head. Yeah, like mm. a paper mache head that's kind of like smiling. Is right. this a? Is this an older movie or a new movie? Uh, five, six, seven years ago. Oh, no more okay. than that. Yeah. Frank, huh? Yeah, it's Frank. on Netflix for sure. You can oh, stream yeah. it on Netflix. You'll watch okay. it. You'll want to watch it five times. It's, it's, yeah. it's really... I don't think... Does it have rising action? No. I, don't, I think it has... It has falling it, action. It zigzags action. all over the place. It's really nice. In, in the presentation today, the, the presenter talked about um, the movie Flight with Denzel Washington. Have you mm -hmm. seen that? No. And I, I, it's like the he's a drunk pilot and the yeah. plane crashes. Mm. But he saves everybody. But he saves, but he he's saves everybody. Because, yeah. but but he I'm was telling drunk. you, if you watch that movie, but after he saves everybody, that's pretty much all you got as far as rising action. Mm -hmm. you no, know, like I watch it with my my wife, who's you know, husband is a recovering alcoholic, you know, and she's like, you know, so there's a big plane crash and the rest was just, a, just another story about a drunk. Who finally admits he was drunk? So, like, you know, two well, that's, hours. That's the rising action, isn't it? Right. Well, yeah, so that coming up to the point of admitting that he's yeah. drunk. Oh Christ! Yeah. Don't take two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it's fairly obvious. Yeah, man. <laughs> too too much. Most movies these days. Yeah. Objective, <laughs> correlative, and action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I think short stories might translate into movies better than novels. I, I do think that the. Those yeah. binge watch shows on Netflix, the ones that are eight, eight episodes or mm -hmm. ten, eight seems to be the nicest one. It strikes me that the best ones are that's that's the new form of the novel, you know. That like it, they 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 seem like that. They're they're like the whole season is Where one. The season book. is self-contained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it yeah. reaches a climax. I also feel that the material they're able to cover is a lot freer on those shows. There's not the constriction on language. Right, there's no offense, FCC. Stuff like that, you know? Like, I, I'm, I feel very, in the academic writing environment, you know, you gotta be careful what you're gonna do. Well, except you do, and you should, you know? Yeah, except you're not writing it for the academic audience, you're writing it, I mean, your agent takes it and hopes to sell right. it to millions. That's true. <laughs> but uh, there was um, what you were saying about the eight episodes equating to the novel. But I mean, aren't they more like, uh, or being the new form of the novel? 
are they perhaps more like a you know, book of related short stories than they are like a novel? I think of the first season of The Sopranos, this was the best example of it, where really it all ended up to is, you know, and his mother's gonna die and everything, and he's in the hospital trying to smother his mother. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the climax of the novel. You know, but each episode had a B-runner, or whatever you'd call it, where they'd, they'd, you know, there was one person they were trying to get or whatever, and then they would figure that out by the end. But the whole thing moved toward him coming to this thing with his family, with his Uncle Junior and his mom and the Right, but the last you episode. Watch, would you say that you could watch one episode and it's a fully... Be satisfied with that? Has a satisfying ending? Or I, don't, I don't think so. Okay, well you then know? it is more And like much more so, like Breaking Bad never did that. They didn't have runners in, in Breaking Bad, right? What do you mean by runner? What's a runner? Well, like, like a, a, a runner on The Sopranos is, say, like one of the episodes... Uh, um, uh, Tony has taken his daughter Meadow to uh, look at colleges, and while they're looking at colleges, you know, these up upstate New York yeah. colleges or you know fancy mm -hmm. schools, he sees some guy that's a rat for the mob who's in witness protection. He's going to have to go kill him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the show. He sees him and goes kills him. But then all the other stuff that's going on with his mom and Uncle Junior and the power structure of the New York, or you know, New Jersey versus New York Mafia, that's the larger thing that goes on above it. Hmm. But that does strike me as sort of like the related stories that yeah, form I mean, like the, the larger way. arc overall. And like, since we're using yeah. film, I'm thinking about True Detective. Right, okay. Where each, it's, it too is like eight episodes or so, I think, mm -hmm. or was it six episodes? Yeah, maybe. something like that. Um, and each episode is not, doesn't have that sort of mini arc per se. Right, it doesn't. It, it's an examination of this point in this character's life, and then this one, and then this one, and then they all come together, and then finally mm -hmm. so you the, have the larger central mystery is solved. So the, over this, it, you have to watch the six to get the actual s story arc, but also an understanding of the characters. Right. So well, that's, so then that's more like this, uh, like a soap opera structure, because in a soap opera, you know, or or the way uh, it never old ends. Flash Gordon and Doctor Who, uh, yeah. when they first started, I mean, it always had ended with serials. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was a serial. Yeah, serial. Well, serial. I feel that the I feel Nothing's that the wrong. shows try to come to a re resolution with something in each season. In each season, yeah, yes. yeah. But I'm talking about the yeah. individual. Because they long long ago, Doctor Who were, was in half-hour segments. In fact, right. they were twenty some minutes something, twenty-seven minutes or something. Mm -hmm. And then they started putting them together, so you'd watch them all at once. And then they started making it uh, look like you were putting them. They started changing the, getting rid of the little repetition that would help you remember. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, last time before. on Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, Doctor yeah. Right. Well, they wouldn't do that, right. but you know, the either they would I actually. I was like that though. Yeah. When I was a kid, that was the best part of the show. Previously, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then you get the, at you the get end, the they show you the scenes yeah. from yeah, next like week. Yeah, like a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah, great scene. Literally, <laughs> yeah. Right, a literal cliffhanger. The cliffhanger. Which is what, oh, oh, that's kind of a soap opera structure. They're like that, too. You right, know? yeah. It, it so doesn't end the story. You don't find out how, whether they're going to get divorced or Dominic is going to, you know. Well, I think the first time I, I, I saw that particular kind of structure in film was with the Star Wars, the the second one, The Empire Strikes Back, where uh -huh. it was, it left you in the middle of a cliffhanger. The it second one did. Yeah, the yeah. second one. And that was like, that seemed like the first of a series of those kinds of tales where 
the first one's pretty contained, the second one not at all contained, and then it ties up in the third book. Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. Back to talking about whether this, you know, episodic structure is, or, or uh, of an eight-episode show is more right. like a novel. Or, this is the sort of thing we're interested in. Is it more like a novel, or is right. it more like a group of related or a book of related short stories? But what's interesting about it, I think, is that um, the ones that have their own arc like that, but still somehow you want them to add up as a novel, and mm -hmm. uh, that's like in direct. I, I, Claire Dieterer was talking about how when you write. A, uh, a memoir or a nonfiction book that has a creative nonfiction book, a, a narrative or book that has, uh, that's not a book of separate essays, then you're, she was talking about chapters and how you, you don't want the chapter to end. In a, you don't want the chapter to end, have a satisfying end. Right. Or you want, so it's, uh, there's a real inherent conflict between the group of related short stories, or the episodic, you know, program, and the the novel, and I think that shows like novels that are novels that are really groups of related short stories. You know, you can tell that that's you know this novel and stories thing. Well, what does it matter are what you, you call? Are you skeptical about it, or yes. are you, you are? Okay. Yes, because uh, for example, with. Um, and it doesn't matter what you call it. I mean, that's really just a, a sort of marketing thing. You call right. it a mm -hmm. novel and stories because, mm -hmm. you know, the statistics show that novels sell more than short stories, right. and so that's what you do. But because that was the case with um, my first novel, The Turk and My Mother, which was three novellas. It was a book of three novellas with, you know, mm -hmm. related, some of the ca same characters, but not all, you know, covered different. And, uh, but the publisher, like the small, the literary press that was thinking about, that offered to publish it, they were happy to call it three novellas. But the big, you know, publishing right. house that did publish it, it needed to be a novel. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was very, and I made a couple of very small changes in it that they thought would sort of, you know, mm -hmm. connect it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but it was purely for a marketing purpose. Huh. And then you get reviewers who say, well, you know, really fine writing, but it seemed disjointed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, ah! exactly. Right. Talk to my publisher. The structure. I think she had three different novels yeah, yeah, in here. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that was, that's no lie. That's exactly what, I mean, I can get that from everybody, but that was, that was usually the big objection. If anybody had an objection, it had to do with, with that, and I thought, well, I read it and I thought, well, this is a novel with really cool structure. <laughs> you can do this in a novel. Well, this is good. Great. I yeah. guess maybe there is some benefit to having your publisher say, oh no, 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 you got to make it a novel. <laughs> but you do run into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the publishers, where you know they'll give you this idea, and you run with it, and it's just like, oh my God, it was just not a good choice. What their advice? Yeah. Dumps on you. Yeah. yeah. And I did that literally for years with the agent I had forever in New York at ICM, you know. She had me, she was like, okay, I want you to write a book on this. Oh. It could be anything. Artificial Ingredients was one of them, you know. Kind of an irreverent, uh, like the ranty sort of thing on Artificial Ingredients. Mm -hmm. But you know, this never would occur to me to, I, fuck, you know. So, so I, I spent three months writing the book proposal for this, and of course, it didn't sell otherwise, you know, it would be, a, you know, here at the undisclosed location. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this happened seven or eight times, you know. Mm. 
And I think it's, I, you know, it's hard for me to do what I'm told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that you've noticed this in my no, behavior. No, no. <laughs> but I, I, it's, you know, it's really hard to write stuff that you don't really want to write. Yeah. I think, you know. Yeah. I should explain to our listeners that this undisclosed location, I'm going to out us. Okay. Okay. Specific University. In Honolulu. In Honolulu. In Honolulu. <laughs> 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 no. hey! A bunch of people outside the window were like, No, this is, all seriousness aside, this is a Vermont College of Fine Arts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, at the, on the, uh, we're on Plum Island, Massachusetts, yeah. where it's snowing. And <laughs> No, it's Pacific University, and uh, yeah, the only reason the only reason we're we're messing around with it is because we, we just have to say that we are not affiliated. No. Acme Writing Academy has no affiliation with Pacific University, nor would they ever want us to. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So this way, we can just speak our minds and do what we want, and in no yeah. way will we be getting a. a finger-wagging lecture from uh, individual number two. Mm-hmm. It's like if we, yeah, if we had a magazine or something, yeah. you know, you'd be able to maintain the integrity of your magazine, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. We should, maybe Not should that have we have any integrity. If we started a magazine, would you guys send us some stuff? <laughs> would, no. have to, would we have to display integrity in doing so? I mean, you know. No, no, you can do your worst. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. we'll, put, we'll put out the call. We would start a magazine and only do your worst. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that. If there'd be a way to make money off of it, it would be a great thing too. A literary magazine. The hard part. Well, we're the last people to have our own podcast, then we'll be the last people to have our own literary magazine. I've always been more inclined to want to do like a, you know, something kind of a lifestyle sort of thing. You know, more like a, it would be Huff Post perhaps, but not necessarily a political event where. Writers just write about stuff they're into, you know? Mm-hmm. They write about horses, mm-hmm. cooking. Uh-oh, you know what I gotta write about? Baseball. Yeah. Right? Oh, I But I mean, that's say, the thing. But that's I what gonna people, say Sarma. People yeah. want to read about that. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. interest regular people. Sure. You know, it could. About, you know, stuff that they can do. Mm-hmm. You know? Have you ever written any uh, uh, sports narratives about baseball? Mm-mm. Never I been mean, not for publication. I've written things down. Yeah, never been <laughs> tempted to get into that? Well, I've kind of been busy working on this novel. Yeah. Did you watch any of the Brewers and... playoffs games, by the way? Oh, I was, yeah. Speaking of writing down statistics, what's the name of the gal who sits behind home plate every single game? Oh, I don't know. Oh, the one who exposes her. Breasts. Yeah, I mean, she's, it, it's, yeah. At the wow. Brewers game? Yep, mm-hmm. right behind home plate. And she's totally, she's keeping detailed notes of every inning. Wow. And she exposes her breasts. Pretty much. Well, she dresses very revealingly. And I then see. she sits in such a way that's to make sure she'll be on camera a lot of the time. <laughs> that's like the, the, the stooge they have Every in all the Trump speeches. <laughs> right? Oh, right, yeah. They take yeah. out, they, yeah. Yeah. they find the liberal intern and take him out, and then they put in the girl. It's the same girl every women time, is it? Women for Trump. Yeah, women yeah, for Trump. Trump. A blonde and a yeah. red hat. And yes. Except yeah. I think this is just this woman's idea. I mean, no one's yeah. putting her. They're not trying to add I know, some I know. sexiness to the baseball. Oh, heaven forbid. That's her own thing. Yeah, heaven forbid. But, um, well, there's just one. I mean, there are a lot of things. But one thing, one thing about baseball that I heavily identify with is the way a person uh, who wants to play professional baseball has to give it, 
has to put everything in that basket. You know, they have yep. to put everything in that basket. And not only is there no guarantee uh, that they will someday, you know, go to the show, but the chances are that they won't, you know, overwhelmingly. And yet you still have to love it enough. You have to love it, you know, uh, passionately enough to do everything, you know, put your whole life there. And that just reminds me of people who are trying to be writers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. I identify, on that basis alone, I identify with, with the whole crew. And, you know, of course, a lot more baseball players, even though the number who make it is very small, it's, it's really the number who make, make it to a big, big salary are yeah. greater in number than the number of writers who do so. But, um, and then, of course, even when you're in the show, uh, if you fail two thirds of the time, you're that's you're good. Out. Oh right, 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 <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. So uh, failure is b just built into the whole deal. That's right. That's Dealing right. with failure. That's right. Yeah. But anyway. Oh yeah. Where was it? You that in in either in a craft talk or in our correspondence during our semester together was you you came up with the phrase rewards for the readers. Yeah, that you need to give the reader rewards to, to keep them early and often. Somebody else off. said that, though. I think you, to, know, you have to, to reward the reader early and yeah, often to turn the pages. Yeah. In uh, in Gaspar's Frank Gaspar's thing today, he was he recast that as uh, propulsion. Mm. You know, you got to have energy. You know, you got to have a character doing something. Yeah, that's well. Certainly, keep moving you forward. Yeah. Certainly you do, although I don't think that, I don't know that that's exactly what I meant. I meant there's no, got to be I some really great stuff on every page. I know that's so, not what you yeah, meant. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what uh, do you mean by rewards uh, to the reader? Is it something that the reader will read it and be glad they did, you know, and mm -hmm. I, so that it could just be a beautiful, it could just, it could be a beautiful image, it could be a Surprising clever bit of wordplay. Yeah, yeah, the asteroid yeah. could hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially if you, you know, put that in a way that the reader can enjoy it. <laughs> it could be the opening but, sentence. You know, the day I, the asteroid hit, yeah, I was. Well, it could start. There's one of your five, give me five things. <laughs> right, right. No, I just meant any kind of reward for the reader. Yeah, any kind exactly. Of I know you did. Because it could be character-wise, plot-wise, It could just be a shiny, a shiny thing. A shiny thing. Yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, yeah. Guys, I have to go shopping and buy presents for David and Vanessa since they gave me half of my craft talk. All right. <laughs> Grandbabies. The weather's yeah. still good, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to rain for a couple hours yet, I don't right. think. Right, that's why I was also trying to get it in before it started mm -hmm. raining and raining. It's where you're going to go, do you know yet? No. I mean, I'll, yeah, because I'll go everywhere. <laughs> you can go everywhere. There's not that in many places to go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's you just basically walk so down the street. I walk down Broadway yes, and then I'll Broadway. go into that little place with the merry-go-round and then yeah. I'll come out and walk down the other side Broadway. I think I'll have covered all the possibilities. <laughs> but and my, my wife is brilliant. She earlier early on with both girls, she established that they have snow globe collections. Oh, that's so good. whenever we go. There's the gift. Snow globe. The snow globe from the new place. No yeah. agonizing over. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's funny. <laughs> that is good. You shall have snow globe collections. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is what people bring you. Right. Well, you know, right, some people have spoon right. collections and thimble yeah. collections, yeah. and they always know what they're looking for. Shall we thank our guests? Indeed. Mary Ellen Stefaniak and Claire Davis. 
nice little conversation today, sitting here by the in Seaside, Oregon. Okay, here <laughs> nice, we are. Nice, <laughs> hanging out with the sound of the ocean behind yeah, us. Yeah, hanging out rough. really, really yeah. good. So thanks, guys, for coming by. Thank you. Thank you. This is fun. Enjoy the rest of the day. This is Rick Crisman. Thank you. Meanwhile, happy writing. Happy writing. Now the day is gone And I'll sit alone and think of you, girl What can I do without you?